0: Okay, good afternoon to everyone. Um, good morning, good evening, good night to where you are. You are especially welcome to Islam in Focus, um, a special time for Islam Apologetic. It's a seminar service, and um, you are welcome wherever you are. So, in about two minutes time, the seminar will begin, and so I want you to prepare yourself, get your notes, get your questions, and let's get ready for what we are about learning. It's going to be very interactive, there will be time for questions, there will be time for engagement. So. Um this protocol system is going to be set in place, so just get ready if you have any as if you have any question direct all your questions to direct all your questions to plus two three three five zero one five nine three seven six one all questions should be forwarded on whatsapp to plus 233 50 1593 761 you can help us with your name and your location when you are sending your questions so that we can address you accordingly if you cannot add your name is fine but if you can it will be profitable to us so um, that is the protocol system here for you to be able to bring your questions on board so let's prepare ourselves um, in the next one minute two minutes time put your notes together and put yourself together and Let's see what we were learning. Thank you. once again um, to Islam in focus. Um, we are hoping to have a very wonderful time and um, we, are, we are hoping that at the end of the day we are going to have exclusive knowledge about certain things that are bothering the heart of people and even our heart um, we seek to answer people and also we seek to help people give them the various clarification on issues so that they can be able to reason out No, you know there are a lot of thoughts out there about how faith appears to be something that is outside mental engagement and people even say that most of people who work in faith that is across the various religions of the world we see these people as people who are not should i say excuse you to be wise or that are not rational enough because people tend to think that If you are doing anything based on a particular belief system it means you are not logical enough it means you're not rational so and this is evident in even in the Islam religion and also in the Christian and even the other religions of our world so this this season what we seek to do is to grant us the openness to be able to analyze and assess the various things we believe in and the various systems and the structures we have in place to see if what we believe is what it is and if there is a sense of deviation how do we correct ourselves how do we set our minds in motion So that at least what we believe in will not contradict what we have in our head. So what we seek to do in this season is that our mind and our heart will agree. Somebody say, my mind and my heart will agree. So we want to come to a place where our mind, the thought processes, the kind of knowledge we have, and the kind of heart we carry and the kind of belief we have will be at the same point. So that it will not be like we are doing things blindly. We, we, are, we are pursuing a particular faith blindly. But this is there to grant us the openness to have access to the kind of information. So that we can be able to judge and take decisions and know that this is the reason why I believe what I believe. that's the whole idea about this seminar and it's a three-day seminar so we don't we don't intend rushing processes we don't intend um causing speed We, we we are going to be very slow as much as possible to help us all to be able to understand and see how it is happening so that we can be able to take the decisions. So it's a three-day seminar starting today, tomorrow and will end on Friday. And what we seek to do is to expose us on the realities and the truth that we ought to know, especially if we are talking about the Islam religion and the Christian religion. So I want you to be very open I want you to follow carefully. As I said, the structures have been opened. If you have any question, if you have any question along the line, you send all your questions to +233 three, three, 5015 93761. So, um, the administrators will be helping us with the number on the screen so that you can forward all your questions to that number on whatsapp and if you have any issue it will be clarified and as i said um, we try our best to make sure that if you can add your name when you are sending it to be to be beneficial so that we can address you accordingly so let's take note of that so let's begin let's begin now the theme for the whole seminar is who is a, the true muslim who is the true muslim who is a true muslim um somebody will ask why should even a christian bother to know who a true muslim is and the muslim will also say that why should i even bother to know who a true muslim is but we need to be able to define who a muslim is then when we're able to know the standard of islam then we will know who the muslim is then we will know the kind of muslim we are supposed to follow so that it will not be like it's because my parent is in a particular religion that is why i'm following it it's not because my father is a, is a christian that's why i'm following it it's not because my father is a muslim that's why i'm following it but we have a clear view and we have a clear understanding about the dealings of islam the dealings of Islam Islam is a very nice place to be and we need to be able to know what it takes and what goes into Islam and what is the benchmark of Islam then we will be able to measure who a true Muslim is and we are going to do this by taking a lot of issues here and there this study or this seminar doesn't seek to provide an exhaustive treatment of Islam. Uh, There are a lot of books, there are a lot of things out there that has catered for that objective. But what we seek to do in this seminar, in this three-day seminar, is to rather open the twofold purpose into a practical study and also to the point hand place to help Christians to be able to understand what Islam is and also to assist Muslims in giving them certain considerations to the various contrasts and the various differences that are being brought on board when they come to the New Testament Christianity and Islam. So, in this seminar, we are not trying to judge any religion whether Christianity is true, whether Islam is true, but we are going to lay the basis there and allow members to evaluate the various evidences and the records and know the kind of decision we can take at that moment. So that is what we seek to do. Now we need to understand that every religion has its own supernatural origin. Every religion, try and make a lot of notes as you can. And you can feel free to share some of the excerpts on other platforms that you have to bless people. You can share too on your statuses to help people. I hope you are here and please let's try and be engaging so that we can know that we are around. Now, the first thing that I want us to understand is that every religion has its own supernatural origin, and every and all this supernatural origin is on the basis on its sources of authority when we talk about authority this authority is be, beca- becomes the foundational fountainhead in the course of its practices and in the course of its dissemination of its truth to the world so it means that no religion is on its own as in a vacuum But every religion has a particular origin, a supernatural origin. Every religion has its own origin. And this origin is based on its sources of authority. That means what it stands for. Christianity didn't just come like that. Christianity religion came as a basis of a particular authority. And there is a particular origin, and there is a particular intent that the religion seeks to achieve. So, the same applies to Islam. Islam has its own origin, its own supernatural origin, and that origin has its own sources of authority, and these sources of authority becomes the intent that the religion seeks to achieve. And this extent become the essence and the benchmark for that origin so we need to appreciate it very well so you can never really relate with a particular religion you can never be able to you know talk about the failures of certain religions you cannot talk about the misconceptions about certain religions you can't even really talk about the weaknesses of the practitioners of these religions, if you don't understand the origin, the intent, the source of authority, that which is the foundational fountainhead, that which influences its practice and its dissemination of its truth to the world. If you don't understand, you have no right to either condemn a particular religion or to uphold any religion. So those of us that you found yourself in the Christian religion, this is what you are supposed to do. We are supposed to know the intent. Those of us in the Muslim or the Islam side, we are also supposed to know. So whatever religion that you belong to, you must be able to, based on evidences and records, be able to make a particular judgment on whether its supernatural origin and whether its sources of authority and its foundational element, which is the guidelines and the framework for its practice is well known and well understood by you. Then from there you can be able to know that this is why I am following what I am following and this is the reason behind the truth I am upholding. A lot of Muslims are practicing Islam without knowledge maybe because it's like a copying thing a lot of christians are also doing the same thing maybe because they were born into a muslim home maybe because they were born into an islam home so they are not having the permission to really examine the state of the religion they believe in and also the belief system but even when you pick the christian book that is the bible there's a place where Jesus Christ that Isa peace, peace peace upon him said that we are supposed to know the truth and the truth will set us free so truth must be known it and that scripture that verse explains the fact that truth is not just something you accept blindly that means the knowing of truth is not connected to the home you are coming from the knowledge of truth is not connected to whether your father is in it or your mother is in it but truth is supposed to be handled on the individual base the person must be able to search for the truth and know the truth so truth must be found out truth must be taught truth must be known not necessarily because you were born into it not necessarily because you are afraid to live it, but truth must be known. That means that the issue of truth is dealt on the personal basis. On the personal basis. On the personal basis. So each individual must know the truth. What is the truth? Each individual must know the foundational fountainhead of that which you believe in. Because the element of your foundation becomes the paradigm of your truth that you walk in. A lot of people believe in so many things as their truth and yet they are walking in a lie. Why? Because they were not able to examine what they hold on as truth. But it's my prayer for us that we will know the truth. 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 truth. So, this is what we seek to do. Now, we know that the word Islam is derived from an Arabic word Islam or what we call S-L-M. Capital S, capital L, capital M. So, Islam was derived from that Arabic root word and that word was submission to allah but the essence the root word itself is submission but we know that submission as a word depict an object to be submitted to so islam itself from the arabic root word did not imply allah did not imply allah but the root word implied an object to be submitted to because the the the, the root word was concerning submission but we know that the word submission in itself depicted an object to be submitted to so it means that we cannot talk about submission without talking about an object to be submitted to there's no submission if there's no supervision there's no supervision if there's no submission so in a place where we need to understand that if we are talking about Islam as as depicted by the root word as submission then it means that we must have an implication there's an assumed object that we need to submit to and since we are talking about a particular arabic setting then it means that if we are submitting in islam then we are submitting to allah then we are submitting to allah so we need to understand that the whole idea about islam is submission so islam is not necessarily no matter what we engage in and what you know if you are not able to subject yourself to the submission in islam as islam depicted then you are not practicing it i hope you are getting me so the arabic word the the true meaning of islam was submission submission somebody says submission somebody says submission somebody says submission somebody say submission if you are there say submission so Islam is submission so it means that that is the the, the the origin the foundational thing, framework that defines every practice and every activity we engage in so it's not necessarily about what we talk about but It is anchored on the essence the the kind of knowledge we must have because that one becomes the lens of interpretation that means that if i meet anyone who is walking out there and the person is not submitting then i cannot really allocate the person to islam because islam in its arabic root word which is slm is submission and i've already explained that if you are talking about submission the word submission in itself implies or assumes that there's an object to be submitted to there's an object to be submitted to. when i say object i'm using the object in an english word not necessarily object as in tense but i mean There's an assumed being. There's an assumed entity. Okay, let me say entity. That we must submit to. That that submission must be. That means that this assumed entity has supervision or supervises or controls the activities of the submitted one. Are, are, Are we here? Please let me. I want to see you so that. I can know that I'm communicating. So it means that any time we are having we are portraying the true essence of Islam, then we are talking about submission to an entity. And that entity obviously by the by the definition of the word submission means that that entity automatically is higher than the submitted one. Because any time we are submitting to something or we are supposed to submit that means the one or the entity we are to submit to is higher than us this is logic this is logic this is logic so that is what we are talking about so it means that they describe that a state of total submission to their will now listen to me when we talk about submission the word submission in its etymology implies that there is something that is need that need to be submitted to. Now, the word is the word submission. Are you following? Are you following? The word submission in itself means that there is an the first thing you must note about submission is that there's an assumed entity in authority. Somebody say Assumed entity in authority. Assumed entity in authority. That's the first one. Now, the second assumption we need to understand is that if there is an assumed entity in authority, then it means that if we are submitting, then it means that there is a will, there is a wish, there is a desire of the entity in authority that we must succumb to. So it means that, so the the first as the first implication is that implication of assumption is that there is an assumed entity in authority. Number two, this assumed entity has a desire and has a will and has a wish and it means that we can say that you have submitted or there is total submission or there is pure submission when the desire or the will of the assumed entity in authority has been made so it means that if somebody claims to be submitting or is working in submission then it means that the person is under an entity in authority number two it also means that there is a desire there is a will there is a wish there is something on the heart of the entity in authority that the one who is submitting must make sure that the person succumbs to it. Are you following? So it means that if you do not succumb or subject your will, subject your desire, subject yourself to the will and the desire of the one in authority, then it means that you have not submitted. It means, And this is, this is obvious in all walks of life, in all worldviews that in, there's no way that somebody who refuses to subject him or herself to the will and the wish of the one in authority can be accredited and be seen as submitted. Why? Because submission in itself explains that there must be a subjection to a will, there must be a subjection to a desire and that desire must be somebody in authority which automatically implies that you are under the person so it is not necessarily about you knowing that there's an entity in authority no it is not submission is not complete when you just assume that you are in authority or somebody you are under authority okay so it's like Just assuming that or knowing that you are a son of your father does not necessarily mean you are submitting to your father. Why? Because submission as a son is completed when you are able to subject your will, subject your decisions, subject everything about you to the will and the wish and the desire of the one you have submitted to. Or the one in authority are we following at all are we following about this is logic this is rationality i told you that we are here to reason together we are here to engage and see what is there it's not about what we have been told it's not about what we have we came to meet but it's about our ability to analyze and you know open ourselves to what we have the evidence we have and see what it is so this is what it is so if you go further into realize that here in the place of Islam the entity that we are the assumed entity in authority is Allah when you go to those in Christian The assumed entity is God. So it means that when you go to other religions, they have their assumed entity who becomes the supreme being, what we call the supreme being. So the supreme being becomes the one in authority whose will and whose desire must be met and must be obeyed and accepted and worked in by. Those who claim to be submissive or those who claim to be under the authority of this entity who is the supreme being are we here are we here so in islam it means that we are the state of islam is total submission to the will of allah i hope it's clear so it means that with all what we have explained, that means that the true essence of Islam is total submission to the will of Allah. Which means that, so when it comes to those in Christian Christianity, we also say that their submission is there when they are able to submit or decide to walk in the will of God. Now it means that in this true meaning, the state of devotion is expected to be absolute. Now, before I come to that point, okay, let me continue. So, it means that in both sides or in all walks of life, we must be able to understand that there is supposed to be a state of devotion. When I say devotion, when you say the word devotion in it etymology means to be submissive. Devotion, the verb is to devote. To devote is to commit, to subject, to surrender, to submit to the will and the wish of something that is above. That's the state of devotion. So it means that if you are talking about Submission, as we have explained, that it means that this submission must be absolute. Somebody say, Absolute. It must be absolute. What is absolute? Absolute means that it must be comprehensive and it must be all encompassing, both in thought, also in word and deed. So, it means that if you are a son of a father, And we are saying that you submit to the Father in an absolute sense. Then it means that it's not just your actions. If your actions depict submission and your thoughts does not depict submission, then it means you are not a true Muslim. If your thoughts depict submission to the supreme being, and your word contradicts that submission. It means you are not submitting. Why? Because the submission that we have explained is submission in an absolute sense. Somebody say absolute. So the submission must be absolute. Absolute means that it must be in thought one. When you say thought, you are talking about mental engagement mental engagement it must be absolute in thought that means in your state of mind in your your paradigm your system of engagement your imagination in the processes of the thoughts it must be your submission must be whole again we can talk about in word that means in your speech in your speech don't forget that your the process of your thoughts is that which establishes the state of your heart that means that the way you think and the processes of your thoughts is that which influences and conditions your heart in a particular state and it is your heart that induces your deeds and your actions so you realize that if you are talking about submission in its truest form then we are saying that that submission must be in thought must be in word must be indeed why because in its truest essence your thoughts and your word and your deed must match because your thoughts is that which conditions your mind it is your knowledge and your understanding and your wisdom that determines the state of your heart and it is the state of your heart the condition of your heart that influences your deeds so it means that in its dealings your thoughts your word and your deed must be the same must be absolute must be the same and if it is the same then it means that we are seeing the true meaning of submission in your life are we following are we following are we following? are you following so that is what goes into submission and the essence of submission so bringing it so we just went to do some um, english etymology and all that so bringing this knowledge to what we are dealing with then it means that islam has um, explained as submission to allah means that it must be absolute in word indeed and in thought or it must be absolute in thought in word and indeed so it means that anywhere we don't see this absolute display of submission then there's a question mark on your claim on your foundation on your framework on on what guides you as somebody who is submitting so and this one too is also true true is parallel so it means that even those of you that you are in, also in the christian religion it also means that if you are claiming to be what you are then it means that in your way in thought and your word deed, there must be total submission and that is where we can see that your claim is true now there's an issue we need to understand and we need to clear once and for all before we progress as i said we are really dealing with this subject very exclusively and comprehensively that we are we are allowing us all to be able to analyze things for ourselves and make judgments we here now we said that anytime there's submission then it means that there's an entity in authority there's an entity who is supposed to supervise because submission is not a stand-alone swear submitting is me submission in itself implies supervision and supervision in itself implies submission so Anywhere we are talking about submission, then we are talking about supervision. Somebody say where there is submission, there is supervision. Somebody say where there is submission, there is supervision. Somebody say where there is submission, there's supervision. So we need to what we need to understand is that if we are talking about submission, as explained in the truest essence of Islam, then it means that there is an assumed entity that we are supposed to submit to. But you realize that the Christian called the, uh, or the supreme being God and in Islam, what we have is Allah. So does it presuppose and does it imply that Allah, that is the God of the Quran, is the same as the God of the Bible? If we need, is something that we need to understand. Otherwise, there will be a problem. Because we know that if you are talking about the Supreme Being, because even in the in the realm of idealism, that is in philosophy, we in the realm of idealism, that is philosophy we talk about idealism. We are talking about the paradigm. That's what we had. The paradigms, even those of us that you are engaged in research, we have paradigms. Paradigms talks about perspectives of thinking. So, in in the perspective of thinking, we see that there is no way there can be multiple supreme beings no because you realize that now let me let me take you to idealism okay or the place of realism now realism in just realism, we are talking about the realities of the mind as determined by the perspective of the mind so we are, let's do some little philosophy here are we here don't worry here you're going to use your mind I told you that this is an open session for you to be able to think and analyze and compare evidences so that you can be able to know what you are doing and understand why you believe what you believe. I hope you are getting it. As I said, this is not in to declare uh, one religion better than the other. No, we are here to make evaluations and analyze things are we here so now let's go to realism now realism says that human consciousness has the ability to project entities and concept cause imagination so our human brain our human mind is able to bring certain things on board and those things we call them imagination And we also know that as time time goes on, in the experiences of that entity, different imaginations come. And there are times that where the, the, the latest imagination most of the time becomes higher than the former. The things that you were seeing in your mind, the way you were thinking, that's why we're able to see that one is an adult and one is a child that's this the it is out of this um this 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 truth that we say that when we see an adult that is when i say adult somebody who has increased in age okay when we see the person doing certain things and reasoning in a way that is below the person we we see it as a problem why because per the experiences and per the truth as your experiences increase as your exposure increases your imagination and your thought processes must also increase and also adjust to suit the exposure you are having so it, for instance when you were in let me say nursery when the, your math sister said two over five what's the answer it can't be and that is the best answer at that time now this is acceptable and this is why because of the exposure of the state of the child now as you begin to gravitate and become get more exposures in certain concept of mathematics you get your point where even in SHS where when they give you two over five you are even explained to you are expected to even build in so many things to prove why 2 over 5 can be possible and you and now know that even at that level when you write it can be you'll be marked wrong but this is the same question 2 over 5 in nursery is it can be but in university if you write it can be it is wrong why because you are expected by the truth of realism that per the exposures you have had you should be able to produce an answer that is higher than the answer you are giving now. Are you following? Are you following? Please, are you following? So it means that per the answer that you have given, you are giving now, that answer must side with the exposures you have had and the experiences you have had as a human being. So that is what realism talks about. So, it means that in the state of imagination, the thing that you think you see now, as time goes on, will be higher as it goes on, and it's supposed to be higher. Then it means that if you are bringing the subject of the Supreme Being, then it means that the Supreme Being in itself, by the definition or by the principle of defining definition, it means that when we say Supreme Being, the supreme being according to the principle of defining definition now in philosophy we have something we call the principle of defining definition every definition has a principle in defining it so when we say supreme in itself it means that it should be the highest somebody say the highest so if the supreme is the highest then it means that anytime we talk about any supreme being then it means that that supreme being must be the highest entity to ever exist. Hmm. Oh, I'm loving it already. Then means that that supreme being should be the highest to ever exist. And if it is the highest, then according to the law of logic, it cannot be two, it cannot be three because highest means highest, highest means highest. Now, assuming. Somebody say, oh, what if there are two, two highest supreme beings? Then if there are two, then it also means that there's going to be another problem. Because, there's a problem. Because even in the dealings of these supreme beings, one must still preside over the other. Okay? One must still preside over the other. Because... The affairs and administration of the universe and even everything is influenced by each supreme being's will, decisions, desire, and perceptions about how things are supposed to be done. So it's possible that in the parallel measurement or in the continuum of decision, there will be a place where there will be a place where one supreme being will have a decision that will be that will contradict the other decision of the other being, which will mean that at no matter how we think, and no matter how it appears feasible, there will be a time, or there will be a point in the continuum that one supreme being must submit to the decision of one supreme being because. They cannot think alike. And even if they are thinking alike, their interests cannot be the same. Their interests cannot be the same. That means that at any point in time, one must compromise. And we also understand from the principle of explaining the supreme being that as soon as one compromises, what happens? It means that the one who compromises ceases to be supreme. Because (laughs) the Supreme must be the highest. And it is the highest whose decision prevails. So it means that if today Supreme A want to go to left and Supreme B want to go to right. And at the end of the day, Supreme B decides that, okay, let me forego my right. And let me follow the left of Supreme A. Then it means that Supreme B is not Supreme because if you are supreme and you are the highest then it means that it being the highest means that there shouldn't be submission in its own are we following are we following that means that there shouldn't be submission on its own so at the time that you compromise it means that you cease to be supreme it means that you must be a subordinate at that time you must be the subordinate because it is the decision of the other supreme that is reigning. so in itself we cannot have according to it is even against logic that we have two supreme beings so it means that (laughs) are you following at all oh are you following here is somebody here is somebody is somebody following so it means that even in itself it's it's can then that this one presupposes that Allah that's the God of the, the the Islam and the God of the Bible must one way or the other be the same because if they are not the same that means there's a problem <laughs> so we need to investigate and I told you that every religion has its supernatural origin and that supernatural origin is on the basis of the sources of authority and the base of the source of authority is that which defines its practice and we know that one of the key sources of authority in islam is the quran and one of the key sources of authority in the Christendom is the bible so it means that we must be for us to be able to understand the place and the position of this supreme being then we must investigate the Quran and the Bible to know whether we are all having the same supreme being. That if you have the same supreme being, then it means that we can come back to the subject of submission and really know that this is what is supposed to be and resolve any difference. Are we here? So now the tennis is Allah. The god of islam and the god of the bible the same god let's take some 30 seconds musical interlude we shall be back again to Islam in focus who is the true Muslim so we have we have we have explained a lot of things and now we are on the question of who who is the God or who is the supreme being we have Allah in Islam We have God or Yahweh in the Bible. Are they the same? If they are not the same, then it means that we must be able to know what to do. (laughs) Uh, Already we know that there cannot be two supreme beings. That means that at any point in time, there should be one. So that means that per the concept of and per the implications of what a supreme being is it should be one it should be one and if it should be one then it means that by the surface of our discussion and where we have got into, allah and the god of the bible must be the same person <laughs> if there are two if they are different, then it means that K there's a that means that one must be submitted to the other because we cannot have two supreme beings over the universe. <laughs> oh I love it. Can we go on? Can we go on? So <laughs> are you are you are you enjoying? Are you following? Are we following so now as i said for us to be able to really understand and also appreciate the the position of this supreme being in these two religions that these are the two religions who have been fighting the most so let's speak the two of them allah and yahweh if they are the same if they are the same then we can really understand that means that we can really understand the precept of the difference and then we can really define what a muslim is if they are different then that one gives a different perspective about how and how what we can use to measure that this is a true muslim and this is not a true muslim are we here now to begin with the category called god now we know that i already said that we are going to investigate the two sources of authority the main source of authority is the the holy writings of each of these religions so we have quran the holy quran in islam and we have holy bible in christianity so we are going to investigate these two sources of authority and see if both of them are speaking the same thing concerning the supreme being then we can know that the god of the bible is the god of the quran and the god of the quran is also the god of the bible can you clap now let's continue so to begin with we need to understand that God is not a name God is not a name God is a category (laughs) so God is not a name God is a category Or, what we call a title or an office. God is an office. God is a category. God is not a name. Now, it means that anytime we are dealing with an object of worship, then we call that entity or that object God. So, any object of worship we attribute the title god to that object so that title of the position is a what okay it's a what but the person who fills that position is who so the who is the person or the entity and the what is the title so it means that God is a title, is a category, or is a kind of a particular space that defines a particular entity, and that entity must be an object of worship. We have already explained that. So it means that any entity that's an object of worship, or any entity that is is being worshipped, or is supposed to be worshipped, then that entity that who in that ent- in that category of what is what we call god so it's like the president is a title so president pres- pre- president is a title it is it depicts a particular object of rulership the person who feels that position though is called the president but the person is different from the position. You must understand that. So it means that every country serves one president. and it, it does if every country serves one president, it doesn't also presuppose that all countries serve the same president. So you realize that every country serves one president but not all countries serve the same president why because president is a position not a person yet because of the union of authority the person who fills the position assumes the title of the position and we call that entity president yes the person is not the same as the other so we say that not all countries serve the same president so here we go to understand that (laughs) whatever thing that the God of the the creator of the universe judges and is in charge of the universe Muslims believe that God is Allah as revealed in the Quran and the Christian and the Jewish also believe that it is Yahweh or Yahweh or something yeah so as I said, we need to go into the two sources of authority, that the Bible and the Quran, to see if they are speaking the same thing concerning the position. So, if what we need to understand that the position is there, God, that thing is there, there, that category is there, but let's see if according to the perspective of quran the one who is in that position is the same as the one that the bible is also talking about number one let's go to surah six verse 101 so let's take the quran first are we here are we here let's see some of the things that the quran has said concerning the entity called god entity called god so surah six verse one zero one surah six verse one zero one surah six verse one zero one so um philip will help us with the posting of this the verses so get get at the translation the let's let's flow let's be quick we don't have much time let's be fast my time is really running my time is really running i have a lot to talk about so let's be fast surah 6 verse 101 now in that verse in that verse philip i'm waiting for you is he is he there is he is he with us i'm waiting for you surah 6 verse 101 Surah Six. Anyone with the Quran can help us. Surah Six, verse one zero one. Let's we are we are moving. We are we have to be very fast. Help us fast. Help us help us quickly. Let's be fast. Time is moving. Okay. So Surah Six, verse one zero one, says that Surah Six, verse one zero one, clearly explains that. Allah or the entity called God or the the person the entity who is being depicted as God in Quran oh almost like one minute is Philip there oh he's not on the line please can you hear me can you hear me Hey, am I connected? Please am I connected? Please give me feedbacks. Okay. Am I connected? Okay, thank you, Ashon. As so Surah 6 verse 101. He said, He is the originator of the heavens and the earth. So obviously we are talking about God here, okay? How can He have a son when He has had no meat? When He and He has created everything, and He has full knowledge of all things. So in this verse, we realize that the verse even introduces the concept of God as the originator, which we know that is one of the characteristics. Of the category or the entity to be called God, because the entity to be called God must be the originator of all things. Number two, the entity to be called God must be the creator of all things, <laughs> must be the creator of all things. So we see that the creator of all things, the heavens and the earth, and the one who knows everything, is being described in this text. Yet we see that we see that. The entity in this category is clearly stated that he, or he or she, or it's, they use he, so I can say he, he have no son or cannot have a son. It's not like, how can he? That means that it, it is impossible for such an entity to have a son. Because, and the reason that this person cannot have a son is because he has no mate. He has no meat so the entity called God in this context, that is Allah has no meat and because he has no meat he cannot have a son okay so that's the first thing that means the first thing you must notice is that the God in the Quran the supreme cannot have a meat, cannot have a son because there is no meat for him number two let's go to surah 19 verse 93 um and another person okay so Ashon, get me surah 19 verse 93 and um clara get me surah 9 verse 30 surah 9 verse 30 clara surah 9 verse 30 Ashon, surah 19 verse 93 let's see what those both Um, scriptures are saying our time is moving we have strictly two hours so let's let's be fast let's be fast about it so that we can finish quickly so in surah 19 verse 93 we are told that in surah 19 verse 93 in surah 19 verse 93 we are told that there is none in the heavens okay okay so we have surah 9 verse it's not clear 9 verse 30 okay he said may allah ruin them so he said from 9 20 he said and the christians was it from he said the jews says ezra is allah's son and the christians say the messiah is the son of allah These are merely verbal assertions in imitation of the sayings of those unbelievers who preceded him. So, in this way, we are trying to say that it is clearly stated that it is a mere assertion, which is not true. It's not true to say that Allah had ever had a son or a Messiah or whatever. Verse 30, may Allah ruin them. May Allah ruin them. The word ruin in Arabic depicts like killing or fight, like you should destroy them, okay? You should destroy them. So may Allah ruin them. How do they turn away from the truth? So Quran is saying that how can these people turn away from the truth that Allah has a son? Like how can you just say that Allah is a some And Allah may Allah ruin them. That means may Allah fight them that's the the the, the 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 arabic and allah himself fight them allah himself fight them or like curse them something like that now let's see the the other scripture surah 9 verse 8 what did we read that is 9 verse 33 so let's read the surah 19 verse 93 90 verse 33 said decidedly none is there in the heavens and the earth, except that he comes up to the All-Merciful as a slave. So that means that anyone that comes to the All-Merciful, that is the attribute of the entity called God in the Quran, anyone who comes to him shall come as a slave. And apart from a slave, not any other thing. Apart from a slave, no one in heavens and on earth can come to the all merciful. That's Allah in the Quran. As a son or any as whatever, the only thing you can come and approach is as a slave. Please post the scripture for me. Surah nineteen verse ninety three. Surah nineteen verse ninety three. Help us quickly, our time is moving. Is moving so so decidedly, decidedly, none is there. That means that there's none. Somebody say none. Somebody say none. None is there. That means it's not like it will come like it. There's nothing like that. Literally, all that are there. That means there's none in the heavens. Somebody say in the heavens. So, in the heavens, so there's none in the heavens. Two, there's none on the earth. Except he comes, so no one can come to the All Merciful, that's Allah, in any capacity. Whether you are from the heaven, whether you are from the earth, we don't care where you are coming from. Any time you are coming to this All Merciful or this entity in the category called God, then the only capacity that you come to is as a slave. It's as a slave. Now, but let's see something let's go to the the holy bible that is used by the christianity and let's see what he said exodus let's so let's see exodus chapter 4 verse 21. exodus chapter 4 verse 21. somebody's also open to deuteronomy 32 verse 6. let's see what the holy bible also said and let's compare the Quran and the Holy Bible and see. Exodus chapter four, verse twenty-one to twenty two. He said, And the Lord said to Moses, the prophet Moses said, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you to, to the that I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. The next verse then say to pharaoh this is what the lord sees so here the god of the bible is talking this is what the lord sees israel is my firstborn son israel is my firstborn son another translation israel is my son even my firstborn so here assuming maybe there are other ways that we can have um, sons or we can have children the the god of the bible or christian claim that the christian claim is so serious to the point where it's not just a son by firstborn that means that the christian god even gives birth first There's a firstborn of the Christian born. And this firstborn was a son. So it means that, as we saw in the Quran, Allah has no son, but the Christian God has a son. And both of them are, are claiming to be the supreme being, and they are the same. Then it means that, how can one supreme being of the universe, at one point in time, has a son? And at one point in time speak against sonship to even a point where anyone who claims to be to say that he has a son, he will curse you. Curse you. That means there's a there's something we need to work on. Now let's check again. Exodus chapter three verse four to six. Exodus chapter three verse four to six. Um somebody should also get me Luke chapter three verse thirty eight. Then Matthew 3, verse 16 to 17. Exodus chapter 3, 4 to 6. Some of these also get me. Luke 3, 38. Then Matthew 3, 16 to 18. Now let's go to Exodus. Let's read. Please follow. Read. Look at your screen and read. When the Lord saw... The Lord, that is the God of the Bible. Saw that He had gone over to Luke. God called to him from the wind in the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am, verse 5, do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals from the place where you are standing in the holy ground. This this narration is exactly what we have also in the Quran. The Quran also gave an account of Moses encountering Allah like that. Verse 6, then he said, I am the God of your father god of your the the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob at this moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at him so here you see that god is a god of human beings that is it means that he he he, he handpicked these people as a particular son Let's look at the next one. Luke 3 verse 36 And the son of ishnos and the son of Seth and the son of Adam the son of God. So here in the, in Luke 3 verse 38 we saw that Adam is being called the son of God because he was created without an earthly father. So it means that the God of the Bible explained fatherhood not just in the place of earthly but he also claimed that Adam who had no earthly father is his he is the father that means Adam is the son it is there now Matthew 6 16 to 17 he said as soon as Jesus Christ was baptized he came he went out of the water at that moment heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of the Lord descending like a dove and ascending on him and alighting on him verse 17 and a voice from heaven said, "The voice of heaven—that is the God of the Bible speaking. This is my son." Ish. There's trouble here. There's trouble here. He didn't end there. We should have stoned him for saying that, but he didn't end there. He continued. And he said, "In whom I love, with whom I am well pleased." So he. So here we realize that. In this scripture, there are a lot of scripture that also speaks about this. You realize that the, the, one, the, the entity in the place of God as in Allah and also in the Bible have, appears to be different. One is having a son and even pleased with the son. One has a son. Who is even a firstborn? But we go to the other side and realize that this same supreme being that we are seeing as the same supreme being is saying that and for him it is impossible to even have a son. And he went on in other pages of the scripture to explain that even if anyone who says those is a liar and those one, those people, may he he will curse him, he will curse them. He will catch them, he will catch them, he will ruin them, he will ruin them. That means that from this entity, and we also see that another point we also have to understand is that from what we read, from what we read, the surah 19, verse 93, he said that anyone that comes to the god of this entity or to, to this person in this category called God in Islam or in the Quran. This person only comes in the capacity of what? In a capacity as what let me see whether you have been following he comes in a capacity as what as a slave as a slave as a slave. But we see that in the God of the Christian there is also something we call we don't know whether there are slaves to the god of the christian well but that is not the exclusive coming of anyone we saw that other people are also related to this god of the christian or the god of the bible as sons and even firstborns and even well pleased and loving. but here we saw that this this same entity also has another thing that it is the only time you come to this entity is as a slave to the all merciful that's an attribute reserved exclusively to allah to allah so from this point there are a lot of scriptures you can look at because of time this this one clearly shows that it seems that it seems that it seems that, now, let's take one scripture, let's see another thing that the God of the Bible said, First John 2, verse 2 to 3, First John 2, verse 22 to 23, First John 2, verse 22 to 23. Let's read that scripture. I think that will be the last one then. So we are still examining the topic, who is the true Muslim? We started from somewhere, and we just want to verify whether we are having the same supreme being, because we have already established that there cannot be any, there cannot be proper supervision, submission without supervision, and we must be clear on who we are submitting to. And that's what has led us to the discussion whether the God of the Quran is the same as the God of the Bible, or the supreme being of the Quran is the same as the supreme being of the bible so that is what we are continuing please are we here are we here at all hmm. let's continue the the place is so silent are we there wow so first john chapter 2 verse 22 to 23 let's let's see what he said let's see what he said please when we quote the scripture please make sure you read it too. uh-huh as i said no don't see that it's not because of somebody said we are looking at we are looking at the authorities and the sources so that we ourselves will know what we are doing Uh, some of you at the end of the day you convert to become muslims you are walking in darkness as a christian making noise and shouting Mm, some of you too you are doing things and ablution. so at the end of the day that either the ablution will become speaking tongues, or the speaking tongues will become ablution let's see by Friday we'll know let's continue oh first John chapter, first John chapter 2 verse 22 to 23 please please help me quickly okay so he said that who is the liar so the, the, so here the God of the Bible is talking now. he's asking the question who is the liar it's a serious question assuming somebody meets you and asks you a question ah, who is a liar he's, he didn't say a liar who is the liar that means he's asking about who does lies spring from who is the definition of lying <laughs> who is the definition of lying it's a serious question no? it is it's, it's a personality who is that personality of lying eesh, eesh see also who is the liar so let's see who the liar is Hmm. <laughs> let's continue please help me with the scripture oh scripture posters please let's let's help me it is whoever denies that Jesus is Christ <laughs> so he says that he says that Hmm. Hmm. I it. hmm. It says that It is whoever who denies that Jesus is the Christ So anyone who denies Jesus is the Christ Such a person is the Antichrist Why? Because the person is also denying the Father and the Son So listen So in this scripture we realize that hmm, it's serious. It's Pause hmm. the first scripture alone, the the 22. Let's 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 expound the scripture and let's divide it and see what the scripture is trying to say. What you are reading, it is so exclusive. It's either it is true or false. According to the law of logic, the second law, the law of non-contradiction says that a statement cannot be true and false at the same time. <laughs> It's, it, it cannot be A and on, non-A at the same time. No, no. One day I'll teach you philosophy here. So it cannot be. Nah. So it is either true of us. So it is either you are the liar or you are not the liar. You cannot be a liar and, and not a liar at the same time. No, 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 no. So we cannot say that um, what we are reading here and what is being said somewhere are all the are all the truth. No. One must be lying, one must be truth. It's like that. One, one must be saying the truth. You, it cannot be. These are opposite. Two opposite, two contradictory statements cannot be the same in the same sense. That's what the law of contradiction says. The second law of logic. Two contradictory statements cannot be the same in the same sense. No. So this one is either it is the statement or the other one. So let's read again. Twenty-two. Hmm. Hey, this one there. I need, I need Coca-Cola. said so who is the liar? So here, the God of the Bible is trying to explain the the, the 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 position and the entity called liar. So and he said that it is the whoever denies that Jesus is Christ. So whoever who denies that. Isa, peace be upon him, is a Messiah. Anyone who denies that Isa is the Christ, the person is a liar. Now, continue. He said, Such a person, in explaining what it means, he continued. And that one is so serious. If the statement had ended in the first one, it should have been okay. Because in Islam, the Quran also says that Jesus is the Messiah. So, that one would have been okay. So, fine. But the second statement Is where the problem is So, Let's see it again Hmm. He said Such a person That means still referring to the first statement (laughs) Somebody says, such a person Such a person That means still referencing The liar In explaining who the liar is In explaining The one who denies that Jesus is Christ This is what it means It means that Such a person is the Antichrist. (laughs) That means, the person is a negation of Messiah. And who is an Antichrist? The one denying the Father and the Son. This is serious. So, this is how it is. Anyone who does not accept that we have the Father and we have the Son, (laughs) that person, it, anyone who does not accept and the, anyone who, da, who denies the place of the Father and the place of the Son is a liar. And that liar is the one who is the Antichrist. Eish! Serious Denying the Father and the Son. Yes. So, saying that Jesus Christ is the Christ or is the Messiah is not just It's not just the statement no 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 no. the fullness of the measurement is that if you are saying that jesus is the messiah and also jesus is the messiah then it that jesus being the messiah also explains that there is a place of father and there's a place of the son and here's the case that there's a contradiction somewhere that there cannot be a son. And the only the only relationship we have is slave, not sonship. Slavery, not sonship. And that means that according to the explanation here, it is clear that it is clear that these two people cannot be the same. They cannot be the same. Th- it's so clear that they cannot be the same. Now let's read the twenty three. That one even that one even told me that ah this God of the Bible oh, we must send him to God. Who's who, which God is that? 23. No one deni- no, say, no one who denies the son has the father. Each. It means that anyone who says that there is no son says that there is no father. And we know that that here we are talking about the God. The entity called God. The God of the Bible. Okay. So, if you say there is no Son, then you don't exist. Child. Hmm. If you say that there is no Son, then it means you do not exist as a father. You do not exist at all. So, assuming we are picking this statement as the absolute statement then it means that the Allah or the Quran the God of the Quran which said that he cannot have a son it means that he himself does not exist assuming we are picking the statement in Quran to also become the absolute of measurement then it means that if the God of the Quran cannot have a son then it means that the one who is speaking here in the Bible also do not exist because so here it is it's meaning that if the the God of the Quran is actually the God of the universe then it means that the God of the Bible do not exist again if the God of the Bible is also the God of the universe then it means that the God of the Quran does not exist so these two statements shows that at any point in time there should be one supreme being two opposing entities it cannot be each of them Allah, that's the God of the Quran, had said that if I am existing per my explanation, the other cannot exist. Then, per the explanation of the, the one in, also in the Bible, has also made sure that if I am existing, they you don't exist. So, these two assumed supreme beings themselves per their views had concluded that we cannot be two, we are one and there is no way where the God of the Bible acknowledged the God of the Quran as a supreme being and there is no way that the God of the Quran also acknowledged the God of the Bible as also a supreme being. Let's continue with the scripture, verse 23. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Mm. So if you, if you acknowledge the Son, you acknowledge the Father. You have the Father. If you acknowledge the Father, you have the Son. That's right. So if you acknowledge the Supreme Being as God, then that god automatically releases another entity called the sun that's what this means here that means that we cannot talk about the entity called the supreme being or the entity called god in the in the bible without bringing the place of the sun anytime we are explaining the god of the bible it the answer to the the conclusion of that explanation is the sun Anytime we are explaining the God of the Bible, the explanation leads to one conclusion that there is the son of the Bible, of the God. Number two, anytime we are explaining the God of the Quran, it leads to one thing that there is no son. And both of them has made it so clear in both readings and both sources of authority that it cannot be so so it means that this principle that we cannot have it cannot have the same thing that means they are not the same so when you hear Christians say we are worshiping the same God it means it is false they are lying if you hear a Muslim say we are worshiping the same God it is wrong because they are not the same even the two of them have claimed they have talked to each other the God of the Bible called a meeting and say. God of the quran come and they had a meeting god of the bible was sitting here god of the Quran was sitting and they were talking he said me this is me he said you he said master we are not the same he said, me i know we are not the same this people they are joking he said go and tell your people that we are not the same the this is me i'm going which i'm going to tell my people that we are not the same. and i i told and and when and when they met the god of the of the, the quran said that me i'm going to anyone who say that I have a son, I'm going to curse the person. It's okay. Then the God of the Bible said, curse them. Kill them. Then the God of the Bible also told the God of the Quran that, hey, me too, eh? anyone who also do not accept that I have a son, that person cannot be the category called God. Mm-mm, never. So yes, me too, like that. Then they exchanged greeting because of COVID. They just gave their shoulder blow and they left. They didn't even eat, they just left, they just left. He said, when we were going, then the God of the Bible turned to the God of the Quran and he said, Master, he said, ye remember we are not the same. I said, me too, tell you, you to remember that we are not the same. We are not the same. You are not the same. So it means that Allah cannot be the Christian God and Yahweh cannot be the Quran God no it cannot that means they are different it means that the, that which also means that listen listen which also means that we also say that you have to also understand that each of these entity revealed a particular source of authority so, talking about the Bible, the Bible was revealed by this the, the God of the Bible. Okay? When we say the God of the Bible, I mean the God who revealed the Bible. It was inspired by the Bible. It's inspired by God. We know in 2 Corinthians, 2nd Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, said all scripture is inspired by God. So realize that the Almighty, the God of the Bible, is the one who sourced. scriptures which also means and also in the quran we say that the quran also explains that the quran all scripture is god so the quran also means that the Allah, that is quran is actually the one who saws the quran that means that it means that the spirit that revealed the quran to muhammad is according to the bible assuming you are using the bible to measure it means that the spirit that revealed the quran to muhammad prophet muhammad peace be upon him is the antichrist according to the bible and according to the quran also (laughs) the spirit that brought the bible to being that spirit is cursed don't forget the scripture (laughs) that spirit should be cursed and anyone who received that spirit and also claims that he also have a son will be ruined, be cursed will be fought against by Allah because it cannot be it cannot be it cannot be so you must understand at this point that the God of the Quran and the God of the Bible are not the same being and if they are not the same being then that means that we need to understand who is the supreme being mm. because by logic we cannot have two supreme beings and the god of the bible claims to be god all of them all of them are having the attributes of god though. this one says all oh, merciful this one says all oh, lord So, the God of the Bible is saying that He is God. The God of the Quran is also using the attribute of God. And they have. So, that means there are two supreme beings. And if there are two supreme beings, according to logic, we cannot submit it to the two of them. No. It cannot happen. Somebody it cannot happen. It cannot happen. Why? It cannot happen. It cannot happen. The category called God must be one. The category called God must be one. It cannot happen. Let's see some of the justifications. Why we are saying that the category called God cannot it should be one. It should be one. The category called God should be one. The category called God should be one. That means that because mostly people say, okay, what if there are many? If there are many, then it means that then the God of the Bible is the supreme God, the supreme being and the God of the Quran is also a supreme being. So that one we are fine. But here we go to understand that according to it's, it's one, it's one. It's not an assumption. And we, we see that when we read the, when we read the Quran, realize that the Quran does not assume another God apart from Allah and when we read the Bible too (laughs) the Bible also has never assumed that there is another God apart from the the Yahweh or the revealed God of the Bible so each of them claim to be one each of them claim that the category called God should be one none of them assumed in that and in fact if you if you look at all the religions every religion never assumed that there are multiple gods no all of them assume that there's God. Now, one, the first thing we need to that explain is that the category God, God cannot be someone that has an equal. Number one, the, 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 we are we are writing the explanation, the justifications why there should be one supreme being. Are, are, are you following at all? Hmm. Are we following? This is I know this one is follow up. Number one, the category called God cannot be someone that has an equal. No. Mm. the category called God cannot be someone who has an equal. So, the, the supreme being is, is someone who has no equal. That means that he has to be one and only one. He has to be one and only one. God can not be more than one in nature, at least from the human perspective. Mm-mm. Maybe from his perspective, he can be multiple, but fine. But so long as and, and there's no and there's nothing like God without a subject. Do you understand what I mean? Now, the, the supreme being is called what? Don't forget the definition of God. God is what? An object of worship, right? <laughs> so if there's an object of worship, there's a subject to worship. An object of worship must have a subject to worship. <laughs> Otherwise, the object of worship is not an object to be worshipped. Because the object of worship presupposes a subject who must worship. That's why it comes back to submission and supervision. Let's continue. So, from the human perspective, it can never be two, it can never be more. It has to be one. Because if you are talking about God, that makes sense to the human beings then he has got to be one, to be qualified as God. Because if he is more than two, then the question is, who are we supposed to submit to? If there are more than one, then who are we supposed to submit to? Who are we supposed to submit to? Who are we supposed to worship? Who are we supposed to be subjected to worship? And please, worshipping does not imply slavery. Nor sonship worshiping is for all whether you are a slave or whether you are a son worship does not imply slavery it's worship does not only imply sonship so when we say worship don't say that oh because there is worship then this one too is a slave. no sons must worship sons worship slaves worship yeah so let me clear that one number two the second point the second point is somebody learning at all are you in a school Are you learning at all? Or you want to go and perform ablution? Have you performed your ablution before coming? If you didn't perform your ablution, go and perform your ablution. Technical team, please. When you get to that place, remove it. Let's continue. (laughs) Number two. God doesn't have to... God doesn't have a good reason to be many. Number two. The supreme being does not have any good reason to be many ah why should you be many when you can exist as one it doesn't make sense you don't have like if you can exist as one if you are the if the supreme being you are a supreme being and you can exist as one what is your reason to become to to become three to become four <laughs> to become 20 like why is your why? there's no, there's no the supreme being or the category called god ha, do not have doesn't have enough good reason enough justification to be many Mm -mm, never like how somebody say like how that means that do you know what it means it means that if he cannot do what he wishes to do if he cannot do what he deserves to do as one being then he is not omnipotent and omniscient and if he is not omnipotent then he is not god (laughs) then it's not god Ah, if you cannot do what you want to do as one god as one entity if you are god eh, and you cannot do what you want to do as one god you cannot accomplish your desire as one god you cannot express and do everything perfectly as one then it means that you are not omnipotent it means you are not all-powerful then, and if you are not all-powerful and omnipotence is an exclusive attribute reserved for the category called God. Because if you are God, if you are supreme being, then you must be all powerful, you must be all powerful, then you are all powerful. And if you are you must be all powerful, then it means that you can be you should be able to do everything as, as, as one. So if you cannot do everything you want to do. If you should exist as one God, or if you exist as one entity, then it means that you are not omnipotent. If you are not omnipotent, then it means you are not God. Hey, somebody say, kaya, kaya. I love it. Number three. Number three. Number three. (laughs) Number three. It is common sense that God must be one. So it it is even common sense for God himself to be one <laughs> it's even a common sense for God himself to be one mm. Mm. it's a common sense mm. because according to it there cannot be there cannot be multiple but according to the law of logic eh, there cannot be multiple rulers and over a particular domain the universe is a, a domain They cannot be multiple and if there is there will still be a need for one to be a necessary entity who will be in charge of the others controlling and supervising the others so in a, a domain where we have multiple supreme beings or beings in authority among them there is still a need there is still a need for us to get somebody to be as necessary being, who will be in charge of the others, who will be somebody to be administer the affairs of the others? and if that one happens, then it means that the one who becomes the necessary becomes the god or become the supreme being. It is out of this concept, it's out of this logical principle that that even in a company certain where we are board of directors, we know board of directors are in charge of the running of the affairs of the company even among the board of directors there is a chair that's even among executives there's a chair or there's a president even among, there is somebody in authority like that like that there should be one if we are parliamentarians there should be one speaker We have justices. There should be chief justice. We have... It it is out of this principle of logic that the world system runs the way it runs because it is common sense for the supreme God or the supreme being in himself to be one. So all this knowledge come together to say that there is no room... For us to have two supreme beings whether you are from the bible or you are from quran you can you guys cannot be at the same position at the same time no they cannot be There should be one There should be one and if there should be one then that one becomes the object of submission in islam and that object of submission is the one that everybody must submit to no matter your perspective about life no matter your worldview about things because if the god revealed in the quran is the supreme being then no matter how you think as a christian you must submit to the allah no matter whether you are buddhist or whatever that is the supreme being that is the one we are all accounted to i don't know whether you are getting it and if the god of the bible is the supreme being as explained it means that no matter what you think no matter what you do you must submit And that is the true definition of Islam. Islam explains submission. It means that no matter what you do, no matter who you are, you must submit. It's not like whether you think whether I'm right or wrong. It's not about, this is not parental affiliations or family fraternities. No. It's not about what I've been told. No. It's not about practices or engagement. No. It's about the true essence of what he's talking about. If we have one supreme being and that one supreme being is clearly defined, then it means that no matter what you think, you must submit to the will and the desire of that supreme being. And that becomes the explanation of who the true Muslim is. Who the true Muslim is. Who the true Muslim is? So now I've left you to think I've created a hole in your heart. Tomorrow we shall continue. <laughs> so now the question is: who is the true Muslim? Who is the true Muslim? Who is the one? which practices through submission and don't forget to, that your submission is not yet absolute if you are submitted to the wrong person let me conclude with that you have to understand that your submission is not perfected if you don't submit to the right person so assuming i am your boss okay in a company i'm your supervisor your direct supervisor and there's somebody somewhere who is not even your something, your supervisor or something. You don't report to the either, anyway, okay? And you refuse to submit to me, and you are submitting to somebody. Your submitting to somebody does not automatically imply that you are submitting to me. Like you have your father and your mother. The father you are submitting to your father doesn't mean you are submitting to me. Oh. Nah, I hope you are getting it. So anywhere there's direct and clear explanation of submission, then there is a clear definition of an object of worship. Anywhere there is a clear explanation of submission, then there is a clear definition of the object of worship. There is a clear definition of God. There is a clear definition of the supreme being. No ambiguity. No sense of multiplicity. No room for options. No room for equals. It must be one. It must be one. And then, we will be able to explain who the true Muslim is. So, at this point in time, my dear one, who is the true Muslim? We shall meet tomorrow, the same time, 12.30 p.m., and we shall go deeper to see who the true Muslim is. The proper practice of Islam is submission, absolute submission. In thought in word and indeed. In thought in word and indeed. If you have any question, as I said, contact plus two three three. Contact plus two three three. Forward all your questions on WhatsApp to plus two three three five zero one five nine three six two seven six one. Plus two three three five zero one five nine three. 761 plus 233 501 593 763, and all your questions will be addressed. So, tomorrow, the same time, 12 30 pm on this platform, GMT 12 30 pm GMT on this platform. Come and let's continue and let's see the answer to who the true Muslim is. My name is Mr. Douglas Okanekufo. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you.